Doc Smo here, your podcast host. Well, anyone who spends much time around toddlers and young preschoolers knows that they can frequently manifest behavior that is downright beastly. So in today's podcast, we're going to talk about understanding and managing their beastly behavior by teaching your young child to understand and control their emotions. Don't you dare miss this important episode of Portable Practical Pediatrics. Welcome to Portable Practical Pediatrics, a podcast for parents and families, a place dedicated to children and their well-being. And now, direct from Studio 1E in Charlotte, North Carolina, here's your host, Dr. Paul Smolin. Deep down inside, every child is focused on their own needs. They see the world through the prism of me, me, and more me. Add on to that narcissism the fact that young children don't understand the rules of social interaction, and you can see why many call the early years the terrible twos. Most young children at the age of two and three don't understand how their behavior affects others and they can't tolerate not being the center of everything. That's where you, the parent of this little self-centered child, comes in. It's your job to gradually teach them how to understand and deal with their own emotions, as well as teaching them to be respectful of others, to share, not to hit or bite, not to grab or push, etc., etc., etc. Your parents did this for you, and now it's your turn to teach all this to your children. We all know that this teaching is a slow process, but once you have layered all those rules on top of their inborn self-centeredness, your child begins to become a social creature and develops what psychologists call emotional intelligence. Once that happens, they become a pleasure to be with. But until that day arrives, life can be very tough for your child as well as for you. But what part of your young child's brain does all this emotional intelligence rely on? The cortex of your child's brain, especially the front of their brain called the prefrontal cortex. Many neuroscientists call this the thinking part of our brains. The emotional reactive part of their brains are still very much active, however, but are slowly being overruled and regulated by the more mature, thinking parts of their brains that you're actually training and developing. To prove to yourself what I'm talking about, just think about taking a toy away from an 18-month-old. Now, think about a 3-year-old taking a toy away from them, and then a 5-year-old, and you'll understand how different their reactions actually can be. Why? Because they are learning emotional regulation and intelligence as they grow and develop. And who is teaching all of this to them? You, of course, like everything else, by direct instruction and by example. These are skills that every child must master and that you must teach them. Okay, now that we understand a little of the biology of a young child's mind, let's get back to the problem that every parent has, teaching emotional intelligence to their young children. 
let's start that conversation with the example of what to do when your child flies into a rage and becomes irrational and impossible to handle. In other words, they are frustrated by something and have a full-blown tantrum. Maybe they're on the floor kicking and screaming. Maybe they're hitting you. It's a full-blown tantrum. Your approaches are relatively limited if you stop and analyze it. And here are the ones that I see available to you. Number one, separate the child until they calm down and then talk. This is called time out in the parenting world. Two, put up a very stern and quick emotional response to the child to shut the behavior down, what I call the SWAT team approach, yelling, hitting, or some other type of forceful negative response. Three, humiliate or belittle the behavior, what I call the drill sergeant approach, with hopes to discourage it continuing or ever repeating itself in the future. Four, give in to the child's demand to avoid confrontation. I call this the surrender approach, effective in the short term, but with consequences for future behavior that may not be very desirable. And fifth and finally, you could use the Inuit Indian method. What's that, you ask? Well, we're about to talk about that. They have a very interesting approach to this situation that I read about in an NPR article recently. While it's true that the Inuit culture of today has their share of emotional problems, the approach that many of the Inuit parents use with their children seemed to make sense to me and also seemed to be a way of teaching young children how to control their emotions in a respectful way. I see this as a variant of the timeout method, but instead of punishing the child with isolation, simply waiting for the emotional outburst to pass and then using that situation to teach the child to understand their own emotions. I encourage you to take a few minutes and read the article that was in uh, the NPR that I have linked in the SMO notes at www.docsmo.com. Here are the essential points of the Inuit approach. A young child cannot stop or control their own emotional responses, and asking them to do so is useless. These are innate biological reactions of which they have no control, and demanding that they stop is probably useless. A young child who is in the midst of a rage cannot gain any insight into how this affects others until their rage passes, and it is that insight that you want them to understand. After the anger tantrum passes, then a parent has the ability to be heard by the child, and that is when teaching can occur. Until then, they only hear their own rage or maybe even your rage. Storytelling and role play are very effective ways of teaching children how to control their behavior and how their behavior affects others around them. Here's an example how an Inuit parent would handle an aggressive young child. I'm quoting from the article that I cited before. Quote, when a child misbehaves, hits someone, or has a tantrum, there's no punishment. Instead, the parent waits for a calm moment and then acts out what happened during the misbehavior. Typically, the performance starts with the parent tempting the child to misbehave. For example, why don't you hit me? Then the child has to think, what should I do? If the child takes the bait and hits the parent, uh, 
doesn't scold or yell, but instead acts out the consequences. Ow, that hurts, mom or dad might explain, to show that hitting hurts. Briggs, that's the researcher who studied the Inuit discipline method, documented that parent continues to emphasize the consequences by asking follow-up questions such as, don't you like me? Or, are you a baby? The goal is to give the child a chance to practice the proper behavior at a time when the child is open to learning and not emotionally charged up. Throughout the drama, the parent keeps a playful tone and a wink in the eye. Actually, I think most parents use some of this teaching method without giving it a name. We call it the golden rule where I come from. Recently, the timeout method of dealing with an out-of-control child has gotten a lot of negative press. It supposedly is too damaging to a child's self-esteem. Well, I'm not sure about that myself, especially if you treat the child with respect during the process. Certainly, we have ample evidence that the SWAT team approach, especially the corporal punishment part of it, is harmful to children, ultimately making them more aggressive having more mental health problems, and more cognitive difficulties than their parents. Similarly, negative effects are seen on children raised by the drill sergeant method. So what can we make of all this? What are the takeaway messages that experienced parents and Inuit Indian families have learned about teaching their young children to regulate their emotions in a healthy way? Well, first, understand that very young children really can't control their rage and anger when they're frustrated. Do not humiliate them or try to smother their emotions. Simply help them calm down without belittling them. If they're in public, take them somewhere. They can calm down in private and not be humiliated. Second, anytime your child has a tantrum, after the emotion passes, try and understand what they were feeling and help them understand that feeling. Show them that you understand. Your acceptance and understanding will bring you closer to your child. Thirdly, uh, after the emotion has subsided and they are hearing what you're saying, try and teach them alternative ways of dealing with their frustration, talking, complaining, or removing themselves from the situation. Role play and storytelling, like the Inuit Indian tribes do, may be very helpful as well. And finally, whatever method you use, try and always be respectful of your child's feelings. That doesn't mean be a pushover and let your child get away with whatever they want and never be reprimanded. It just means every conflict needs to end with understanding and forgiveness. Only from that place can children truly grow in their emotional intelligence. Well, that's it for this podcast. If you value the information you hear on Portable Practical Pediatrics, subscribe to my newsletter at www.docsmo.com, and I will send you an email when I post new content. Stay informed. This is Dr. Paul Smolin, hoping that after listening to this podcast, you will be a little more sage the next time your child flies into a rage. Until next time. I would like to thank the following people for their assistance in the production of this podcast. Dr. David Jaffe, the voice of the introduction. Robert Beezer, 
the composer-arranger of the intro music, Ann Gesner, my wonderful content editor, Benjamin Smolin and Jerome Moof, the talented musicians who produced this delightful theme music, Sarah Smolin and Nathaniel Horlick for their digital wizardry, and Wendy Smolin Esquire and Seth, the Rocketman Barrister Jaffe, for their inspirational guidance. Thanks, guys. By listening to this podcast, you agree to all of the terms and conditions found at the docsmo.com website. This docsmo.com podcast is informational only. Dr. Smolin does not diagnose, treat, or offer specific medical advice for your child. For specific medical advice regarding your child, consult his or her health care provider. Thank you.